you know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness, there's going to be some griminess, but we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and on today's show, we'll have a one-on-one interview with Nick Gates, starting offensive lineman for the New York Giants. He's got a heck of a story, journey from an undrafted free agent to a captain this season, and one of the most important pieces up front, not just for this season, but moving forward. Also, my guest in behind Frenemy Lines, Kim Jones of the NFL Network. It's always great to talk to Kim. She's a good friend. And as Mike Garofolo last week as part of the NFL Network, Kim is a respected voice and reporter out there covering not just the Giants, the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets. And she spent this past week and will be there again down in Landover with the Washington football team. So she knows this team very well, knows the Giants very well. So we'll have a conversation about this Thursday night's game. So it's week two. Can you believe it? And the Giants are 0-1 for the fifth straight year. I know there's a lot of frustration. I know there's a lot of disappointment, a lot of angst about what this means for the Giants in 2021. This is a huge game against the Washington football team. Let's be honest. This is a division game, a team that won the division last year in the NFC East, a down year for the NFC East, but Washington went to the playoffs nonetheless. So they're the team that everyone's gunning for. And from a Giants perspective, it really was difficult to watch that performance on Sunday. They could not be happy. I mean, the only way you can be happy is if that is the worst game that you play this entire season. The defense was disappointing. And look, this is a team that is built to win games with its defense at times, especially early in the season. Committed far too many missteps and mistakes. Could not get off the field, especially in opportune times. And at the end of the day, they just could not come up with enough big plays that allowed the offense to take advantage. But this really comes down to the offense, in my mind. Uh, And I'll tell you where the game changed for me. You did get one of those plays from the Giants' defense. Logan Ryan, that strip of the football from Albert O, the Broncos' tight end. Broncos are going in. I mean, they are going in. They're down 7-3, but they're going in to score a touchdown. And Logan Ryan makes a play that, upheld by replay... You know, there was a little controversy there as to what was going on. And being at the stadium, you know, Logan recovers the football. Initially, they give the ball to the Giants. He was right near the sideline. It looked like his knee may or may not have been out by the time he had gained possession of the football. But at the four-yard line, you know, both offenses were on the field. It was almost like they were trying to guess and, you know, look in a situation and say, you know, maybe if we stay on the field, they'll give us the football. But ultimately, the Giants recovered the ball, got the call they needed from New York. So it's first and 10 at the four-yard line. And here's where you would think, you know what? Take a shot. You just got a big-time play from your defense. Ride the momentum a little bit. Denver's defense doesn't want to be on the field. And what did Jason Garrett, offensive coordinator, and Joe Judge come up with? Well, They ran Devontae Booker into the line for a gain of one. They threw a pass in the flat to Eli Penny, the fullback, and then and that went incomplete. And then they threw a short pass to Kyle Rudolph for two yards and then trotted Riley Dixon out to punt. They only wasted about a minute and a half off the clock. So now you're looking at two and a half minutes to go and all the momentum that the Giants had after Logan Ryan's fumble recovery was gone. So you you flipped the switch, and now you also flipped the script because Riley Dixon, a tremendous punt, 61 yards, netted to be around 50, uh, right at midfield, the Broncos take over. And here's where the game changed. About 50-something seconds left, and the Broncos have a fourth down, fourth and short, near midfield. At the Giants 49, to be exact. If 
they punt the ball. Giants go in 7-3 at halftime. Broncos receive second-half kickoff. It is what it is. But the Broncos go for it. They roll the dice. They get aggressive. And that's exactly what the Giants didn't do on that drive. They were afraid to make a mistake. Whether you put that on the quarterback, you put that on the offensive line, or you put that on a situation where you don't think your guys can get open, either way, that was the message that they sent. They took no chances on that drive. It was almost like they were happy enough to have the ball. If they get one first down, one first down, they probably run out the clock at the end of the first half and they go in leading 7-3. Instead, Denver rolls the dice, goes for it on fourth, and it's bing, bang, boom, touchdown with eight seconds to go, Teddy Bridgewater to Tim Patrick, and it's ultimately 10-7 at halftime Broncos, and that's where the game changed. And it changed because of a philosophy. It changed because of an approach. And look, Joe Judge has been conservative to an extent because he believes in offense, defense, and special teams. He believes in playing the odds. He will play to his defense. He will take care of his offense and try not to put them in difficult situations. But the funny thing is, is that then we see in the second half, the Giants are marching and they get inside the 10 twice. Daniel Jones's fumble, which was very difficult to watch. You know, the thing about Daniel Jones right now is 40 turnovers in 28 games. That's not good enough. And he knows it. The Giants know it. And that's the scary part is that it continues to keep happening. And until he stops doing it, I don't think you can confidently say that Daniel Jones will be the quarterback of this franchise for a longer time. I'm not saying that his fate is determined or decided at this point, but this is why there are questions about where he will be in a year and what the Giants will do if they have potentially two high first-round draft picks, theirs and then the Bears that they acquired for trading down from 11 to 20 this past draft. So you look at that, then the Giants drove down and came up empty on another red zone possession. They worked so hard on the red zone in training camp and in the joint practices. And then when it came down to it, the first time they had an opportunity, they failed and really failed miserably. And I think this has got to be a wake up call for the giants. This cannot be, I understand why Joe judge looks at it as, well, we're just going to keep getting better. We're, you know, that was the old new England theory, not that judge took it from Belichick, but the idea that the Patriots would show you who they really were at the end of September that the first four weeks were used to allow teams to kind of find their footing. The Giants can't afford that without getting wins. They could keep getting better, but you know what? It's not a crime to win a game that you didn't play exceptionally well in. And the Giants have to do that. They have to go to Washington and win this game. Change the narrative. You've got Washington, and then you've got a longer break. You come home in week three to play the Atlanta Falcons, who really got beat up by the Philadelphia Eagles in a game that will be a tribute to Eli Manning retiring his number 10 jersey. There's no question that the Giants have an opportunity to catch an emotional wave here. But that starts Wednesday, uh, starts Thursday night in Landover against a team that, with Daniel Jones at quarterback, they've owned them. They've owned the Washington football team. 4-0. And it really is amazing to think that for all the struggles that the Giants have had, the one team that can't beat them is Washington. Now that may not translate into Thursday night, but there is some momentum on the Giants side in terms of facing Washington and what they have. So right now our friends at Tipico, they don't believe that this is going to be a high scoring game for the second week in a row. The Giants are involved in an over under that's at 41 and a half. Washington is now a three point favorite over the Giants and when you look at where this game fits, it's very hard to judge two games in five days which Giants team is real and which Washington team is real. Washington went out and lost to the Chargers. Chargers, good team, probably on par with the Broncos at this point. You know, take Justin Herbert out of the mix, and I think the Broncos and Chargers are pretty comparable. So that's where we're at as far as that goes. Uh, again, I'll talk more about with uh, have my pick at the end of the show, but 
this is this is really one of those games that the Giants can can do a lot for the perception of what they have right now. If they go out there and they upset Washington on its home field in prime time, again, no one wants to see if you're the Giants 0 and 2, which would be for the eighth time in nine years that this team starts 0 and 2. That's just unacceptable, and that doesn't all fall on this coaching staff, obviously, or this pl- these players, but it is reality. So again, I mentioned Typico. Typico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Typico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Nick Gates has had a heck of a journey here with the Giants, going from an undrafted free agent who spent his rookie year on the injured reserve to now last week voted captain, one of seven captains on this team. Just how remarkable of a journey is it? Well, last year, Nick Gates played every snap for the Giants offense at a position that he had never played before at center. He's a versatile guy, can play tackle, guard, and center. He has a role on this team that's probably a lot bigger than what he anticipated. On a short week going to Washington, I sat down with Nick after practice on Tuesday. The previous day, he was on a conference call with reporters, and he joked that in getting ready for the game, they kind of have to cram a lot in to their schedule. And one of the ways he was cramming his preparation is that he was on the massage table getting his body right as he was speaking to reporters, talking about week one to week two. One thing Nick did say is that for the big guys, if you have your Thursday night game later in the year, it's a harder job physically to get ready for that game. Two games in five days in the NFL is brutal. But Gates said he pretty much felt like his body was going to respond well because it's so early in the season, because they haven't gone through the rigors of an NFL year. Now this year it's 17 games instead of 16. So just a reminder as we jump into our interview with Nick, the flight patterns above 1925 Giants Drive out there in the Meadowlands are pretty tricky when it comes to recording podcasts. So while the access being on the patio by the Giants training facility creates great interviews content-wise, well, we can't really control the patterns of air, air flights from Teterboro Airport and Newark. So apologize ahead of time if there are any flyovers, but it happens all the time. It's kind of a rite of pas- passage, as I've said. So without any further ado, let's go to my interview with Nick and right off the bat, I joked with them about the massage table during our conference call on Monday. So I will confirm you are not on the massage table right now here. Not right now, yeah. Take me back. I mean, I, we talked to you last week, and I know it was a special moment when you heard your name announced as one of the captains on this team. Uh, when you think about your, your journey to that point, I remember talking to you when you were a rookie and you weren't sure week to week if they were going to keep you around or get an injury settlement and send John Jouray. I, I know that's not on the forefront right now, but in your mind, do you go back then and kind of gain an appreciation for how far you've come in really such a short period of time? No, definitely. Um, I still have like the undrafted mindset. You know, you can't, you can't get complacent in this league because you know, Somebody always coming by and you're trying to take your job, and you know, you gotta keep pushing forward, keep getting better each week. And, you know, and if you don't, you're gonna find somebody else. So, I feel like my, me and my brother, you know, we kind of have the main same mindset when it comes to you know working hard and you know just pushing to get better and don't get complacent. You know, I think we both help each other out. And my brother just concrete back in Vegas; he has his own business. Okay. And uh, yeah, we just. I think we both still have each other. You keep repeating it to each other when the other one feels like we're in complacent. So it's, I think it's definitely, you know, a good thing. So. You know, it's funny. I think back to your rookie year, and I got to imagine you coming in as an undrafted guy, and then 
you know, it was really a couple days, right, into training camp that you end up in a boot and you're walking no, around. It was actually, it was actually the last uh, preseason game. Was, was it really? Yeah, I think it was either the third or fourth pre- It was the third preseason game. memory's better than me. Yeah, I don't know how. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had a little loose Frank ligament sprain. Luckily, I didn't tear because that's a, you know, I heard it's a hard surgery and, you know, right. hard recovery. But, so I think I was recovered. It took me about three or four months before I got back to full speed and running and doing everything on my own. But, yeah, it was the third, third game of the preseason. How hard of a challenge is that when you're a rookie and you're an undrafted guy and the train just keeps moving? You know, I mean, it, it goes in. I would imagine that there's a lot of uncertainty early on in that season, not knowing where am I supposed to be, how much am I going to do, that kind of thing. No, definitely. So I didn't I didn't really know how the whole business side of the, the IR worked. And, you know, have to, like, you're on IR before the season, they keep kind of keep you all season. I didn't really know how it all works. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, once I get healthy or whatever, they're just going to get rid of me. And I didn't think I really had that great of a camp that that uh, that camp. And I just I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, you know. But luckily, you know, the, the building loved me. All the coaches loved me. And, you know, they just were like, you know, he's a hard-working kid. Let's, you know, let, let him use this year as like a redshirt year. They kind of described to me, you know, learn the playbook, get stronger, you know, just kind of figure out the whole, you know, football side of it and the business side and just, you know, figure it out. And then the next year, you know, it definitely helped me out having that, like, Right. Uh, how much did you spend? I'm trying to remember. I probably should have done this research, but uh, sometimes I think when I've been around you your entire career here, I'm going to remember things as we're talking. But that year, did you bounce back and forth between the, the practice squad and the active roster, or were you on the active roster that second year? I was on the active roster. You were, right? Yeah, I, was, I made it out of camp, and I was uh, the swing guard and tackle in the emergency center. If that, <laughs> I had to come to that. So. Right. Well, that was, wasn't that during practice they started working in at center? It was, it was like, like uh, not during, but after the, after the, actually it was that, I think that, on that off season after I was on IR, they started telling me to snap and just kind of get just in case. And then that next year was like my third year and that was, you know, the year they, they moved me over. So they, they, they kind of prepped me that second year, just kind of like, you know, start snapping, you know, the more you can do, the harder it is to get rid of you type thing. And, you know, just, whatever I can do to help the team. It's funny how it's a completely different coaching staff and the front office is a little different, yeah. but that mentality is still carried through for you to to today. Um, one more from that from that year. Did you ever thought, you mentioned your brother and, and what he does, did you ever think that, you know what, maybe football is not going to work out for me, that i got to start looking at, you know, what I'm going to do beyond this? Um, a little bit. It wasn't, you know, I try not to think about that, think it like that, and, you know, I know, so my uncle has a, a Ray makes business back home too. That my brother, my brother just opened it up. I think his business like eight months ago or seven months ago, okay. pretty recently. So I said, I guess if I have to, I'll go home and you know ask my uncle for a job and see if I can work there and start working my way up. But I, I was like on the back burner. I, I tried not to think about that. I tried to you know just focus on football and you know try to you know, keep the, you know, keep the blinders on when it comes to that and just keep working. So. Uh, you're now obviously a captain, one of seven captains on this team, and I would imagine that comes with the "I'll play anywhere, tell me wherever I got to play, and, and I'll go out there and let's go do it." Um, did you feel like you made the transition to center to the point last year where it was going? You know, now I'm a center, or did you keep that mentality of the idea of you know what? I'll play center, I'll play guard, I'll play tackle, wherever I got to be, as long as I'm one of five. That, that's good by me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, you gotta have that one of five mindset. I feel like, and you know, especially Judge, he's all about versatility and being able to play multiple positions and anything you could do to help the team. And you know, I. I try to accept that and, and you know work that role and you know I got to do what I got to do whatever the team whatever the team needs I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I have to do to help us win on Sundays. Let's talk a little bit about about Washington and, and their front. I mean obviously you guys are familiar with them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and you have had some success against them. Yep. What what brings the biggest challenge when you're talking? I mean, I know we're always going to talk about Chase Young, Chase Young, and even Sweat. Yeah. But those interior guys are probably forgotten about a little bit, at least on the outside. Yeah. You feel that way? No, definitely. Yeah, a lot of the, the ends take up, you know, most of the, the, the pass rush here. Those guys are the pass rushers. But those those inside guys, are, they're good. You know, Allen's a really good pass rusher, really good run stopper. And, you know, I says that help move that's, you know, known league-wide, you know, he's – He's the guy that has the help move, and he's really good at any, you know, all those interior guys are all pretty good at it. But, you know, they have, you know, they have a pretty good, you know, pass rush. They all, they all work well together, you know. They, they try to push the pocket and, you know, make sure the quarterback can't step up so the DNs can run, run by the tackles. So, Is there anything to the idea that you guys have 
beaten Washington four times in a row. I mean, it's funny. It's on the flip side. We always ask you, well, you guys haven't beaten Philly and Philly, and you haven't done it. But now we're swinging it the other way and saying, you know, you haven't beaten, uh, you haven't lost to Washington. Does that carry some sort of confidence into that building because of what you've been able to do? Um, I mean, it's a new year, and you got to take every game, and, you know, as, as the game is for that year, and, you know, it's... I don't know. You just got you got to you got to play every game like a new game. It doesn't matter if you're on a win streak versus a team or on a losing streak versus a team. It's a new year. It's a new team, new players, and you, know, you got to you know just got to focus on the game ahead. Uh, you mentioned yesterday when when we talked to you this, the idea of how you know pass protection was was pretty good overall as a line, but you guys. Yeah. a little frustrated. You wanted to get that running game going a little bit more. Obviously, we anticipate Saquon getting more and more healthy as the weeks progress. Uh, how much focus is on getting this running game going against, uh, you know, like we said, a very good defensive front? Yeah, you know, we uh, we got to put on the offense line to be able to do their job. And, you know, if you can't really run the ball, you're not going to usually win many games, like I said earlier. you got to be able to pound the rock and, you know, tire those guys down in the run game, and it opens up, you know, passing game and pulls those linebackers up in the play actions and stuff like that. So it's it's a big I mean it's a big part of the game but you gotta you gotta be able to do the do game in and game out. You know it just struck me with Rob Sale now coming in as your offensive line coach. Uh, you've had what, seventeen offensive line coaches yeah, since you got like here? Yeah, yeah no, I think I'm on what, number four? So I was kinda used I had I had what two offensive line two different offensive line coaches at college. I was gonna be a third where third one and you know third head coach but I, I left Nebraska really just right because of everything, but yeah, it was, you know, I'm kind of used to seeing it now, and you just kind of, you know, make new relationships, and it is what it is. Judd said, said this morning when we talked to him, the idea that, you know, his whole mantra is block out the noise, don't worry about anything, but he said, you guys up front, uh, not that you embraced the criticism, but it's hard not to hear, you know, stuff that's been said about the offensive line. I get the sense that for a couple of you guys, especially you and Will, I know who have been here, you know, it, it's almost like you know what, put it on our back, you know, because when we get this thing right, you know, then you're going to be talking about what we have as an offensive line. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it, it does suck to hear things, but you know, you can't. You got to listen to people in the building. That's you know the thing that matters the most, and you know what's going on inside the building and what's going on inside our group, and you just got to keep the confidence week in and week out, and just you know keep moving forward. You know, we're gonna have up weeks, we're gonna have down down weeks, but we gotta you know. Can't, can't focus on the last week. You gotta focus on the weekend. All right, I mentioned this in a start. We were out here a little bit, but we saw, you know, you guys huddled that, huddled around Judge last week, and when he started rattling off the names, I know you addressed this, but what, what are you thinking in that moment? Did you kind of hear, did you hear your name and realize right away he announced you as one, or did you think it was almost, you know, we we kind of said, you know, Blake and Gates sound a lot similar, you know, very similar. So did you know right away? Uh, yeah, yeah, right when he smiles out, like, that little smile on my face, you know, I kind of, so I've been in meetings with all, all the guys, you know, I've kind of been like the, the leader of the line group, you know, kind of just trying to get everybody on the same page, but it was, it was, it was just cool to, you know, hear a name, get called as a, you know, captain, especially when the team's voting on it, and it's just, it's just, it's just honor, it's, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I keep, I know I say I keep getting the chills, but like, every time I think about it, I just, you know, hear my name called, it was, it's pretty cool, so, I mean, I didn't get a call in college, and, you know, it's, it really is great. I mean, I know I keep coming back to it, but you were a guy who was worried that you were going to get an injury settlement as a rookie and yeah. basically sent on your way, and now you're a captain. Uh, it's, a, it's a hell of a journey. It really yeah. is. Yeah, it really is. It is. But you, know, you got to start somewhere, right? And you got to work your way up and keep getting better, and it doesn't matter you know, where you start. So. All right, let's go into the two-minute drill, have some fun. One football question, and then three, you know, off the beat. Kind of fun. See, uh, see how you enjoy this one. Yeah. Um, first football question: Who is the toughest guy you've had to block in your NFL career to this point? Um, people are going to think I'm going to say Donald, but I didn't really have to block him that much when we played him. I'll tell you, say Fletcher Cox. He's he's uh, he's a tough guy to block. You know, he's he's you know, just a big dude, strong dude. And he's you know when he wants to go, he goes, and he's he's just he's a tough one to block. Uh, Best meal you've ever had? I asked Blake this, and I got Copenhagen, which I never saw coming. What are you? Uh, Best meal? I had a couple good meals, I'd say. Um, so Zyke, he took us out 
uh, me and, and Shane, he's taking a couple guys there. It's per se, it's called. It's a three Michelin star place out in, uh, in, in the city. And it's, okay. It's, it's some of the best food you'll ever have. It's awesome. It's What'd you like, get? What's your favorite? It, it was like a chef menu. He kind of, he, whatever he makes for the day, you kind of, that's what you get. So, and it's, it was, I, there was so many, so many different things. It was like this, it was like a pearl oysters and like this egg custard type thing. It was like an oyster with these, it was like my favorite, with this caviar and it's like a, a custard thing underneath. I don't know, but it was, it was, like, it was, it was it's like, they're small, it's not a small place, but it's like some of the best food I probably have. Alright, so you, you know, not that we're encouraging, but if it's a movie like a, a Roadhouse remake, you know how tough of a guy you are. You mentioned Donald and that squaring off with him. But if you had to take one teammate, I probably know the answer, so I should say two teammates, to go in there and kind of defend the honor of this team, Roadhouse style. Who does Nick Gates take into the world? Will, and who else? Who's the second? Will, um, who else? That's a good one. I really thought about it like that, but uh, probably, probably go with like uh, Blake, Blake Martinez, some yeah. tough nose kind of guy. You know, I can see him get in there. Not that you guys would be, you know, approaching a fight in a roadhouse scenario, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the last one I'll give you is uh, I use this on Blake too. Uh, if you, you know, I don't know how big of a music fan you are, but if you could see one musical act whether it's uh, Dead or Alive, that concert, who would it be? Um, so I'm not a big concert guy. I, I like all music, so I don't, I don't really have I'd probably have to go with the country guy, so like, uh, I don't know. Toby Keys would be a good one. I feel like he has okay. good concerts. Or Kenny Chesney is a good. Heard he's a good concert guy. Probably, so probably one of those guys. Backstage passes, you know, uh, yeah, got not you. a big. Yeah. If you're gonna do it. Yeah, you gotta you do, do it big. If you're gonna do it, might as well. But yeah, I, I, I think I've only been like two, two maybe three concerts my whole life. Wow. Which ones? I don't remember. Tagging along. I think it was. I went to walk a flock back in college because he came to Nebraska. Was one of them. I can't even remember the other two. I was, I was younger. Cool. Well, listen, Nick, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Good luck on Thursday night. I appreciate it. Thank you. So there you have it with Nick Gates, and uh, I want to send him a special thanks to take time out of his you know post-practice routine. It's a short week, like we've said. I know you've heard it. So in the Giants' world, it was a Friday on Tuesday, which is when we're recording this episode of All In. So... A uh, lot of lot of things going on with the Giants, and you know, with Gates, you go back to that versatility. It, I truly believe that with the moves that the Giants made uh, right around Cut Day by trading for Billy Price from the Bengals, and then end up signing uh, Skura on the practice squad, both of those guys are are centers. And uh, it would not shock me to see Gates move on the interior. You know, we don't know if Shane Lemieux is going to play against Washington. Ben Bredesen, who the Giants traded for from Baltimore, got a lot of reps at, at left guard in the season opener. You know, it wouldn't shock me to see a, a Billy Price or a Matt Skura at center against Washington and Gates kicking out uh, to guard uh, just something to keep an eye on to see as the Giants continue to look at how they can strengthen this offensive line. Those of you who follow me and my coverage know that I've spent a lot of time with our next guest, Kim Jones of the NFL Network. During her shows on WFAN, she's always been kind enough to have me on as a guest talking Giants and the NFL. So in week two, there really is no better person to bring on to talk about the Washington football team and the Giants. She'll be getting ready for the pregame on NFL Network on Thursday night between Washington and the Giants down in Landover. Kim was in Landover on Sunday with Washington as they lost to Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers. So as much as... Kim is not just a Washington reporter. I thought this was a good opportunity to do our Behind Frenemy Lines segment 
with someone who was there on site and knows this team pretty well, in addition to knowing the Giants very well. So Kim Jones and I sat down before practice on Tuesday out at the Quest Diagnostics training facility with the Giants. Here's what she had to say about the Giants' opponent for this week. All right, welcome back to the All In Podcast. It is week two in the NFL, and I am thrilled to welcome in a good friend and one of the most respected reporters in the NFL, Kim Jones from the NFL Network. Kim, thanks so much for doing this. We're here at Giants on a short week, getting ready for Washington. How you doing? I'm great. I saw Washington on Sunday against the Chargers, ready to see the Giants uh, Thursday night against Washington uh, and do the lead up to that on NFL Network. It's all good. So trying to jam things into different segments on a short week. We usually do a segment with an opposing team's reporter. Mm-hmm. So you kind of yeah. fit Since like I that. I saw Washington, yeah, absolutely. You know, behind frenemy lines is <laughs> how, what we call it. But let's talk Washington first, and then we can get mm-hmm. your thoughts sure. on the Giants. Uh, Chargers? Good team, probably a playoff team in the AFC in that competitive division. What did you see? What were your first impressions of how Washington came out of the gates? Hot. Well, Chargers Chargers. came out hot. I thought you were going to say Chargers. Uh, Washington did not come out hot. Chargers came out incredibly hot. Um, Herbert was either 6-for-6 or 7-for-7 on the initial drive, which was a touchdown. He looked terrific. He did not. He was sacked twice, um, but it certainly was not an early tone that, that, that he knew he was going to beat, get beat up all day. Uh, it, it, it was um, really surprising to watch Washington and that pass rush, that front not being able to affect Herbert at all. And um, I have to believe that's been a major, major focus of their short preparation this week. It's very interesting because I thought you had a great question for Joe Judge, the idea that when you watch the Chargers do what they did offensively, yep. You know, the first instinct is, well, let's just do what they do to to neutralize Washington. I thought he was pretty candid and said, you know, whether it was coach speak or not, you know, we can't just take that film and say we're going to do to Washington what the Chargers did. But the almost sense that the that Washington was put on its heels a little bit early on and couldn't really get going. Yeah. And I think that Washington, to some degree, looks for that defense to lead them because they have such great talent led by Chase Young. Montez Sweat's not far behind. And then the the, the interior guys are fantastically athletic. Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. So, um, you know, I I think that Washington was on its heels defensively and, and that can't be where they live. They can't live that way. They have to be the aggressor and the attacker. And the Chargers were chipping the ends. They were getting the ball out quickly. And Herbert, as I already, as I noted, um, incredibly accurate right out of the gate. And for a defense that very much looked like it was finding its way uh, and is not as great on the back end as it is on the front end, uh, they really paid the penalty. I, you know, you almost got the feeling that they were finding their footing a little bit. It just was too late. It was way too late. Did Washington on the back end, you know, you bring Landon Collins back. Uh, William Jackson was one of their big signings right at corner. Yep. Uh, Curl was very impressive last year. There were those questions of how that secondary would kind of mesh early on, right? What did you see from them? What did they try to do on the back end? Yeah, I thought they had trouble covering all of the weapons that the Chargers have. Um, and and listen, the, their front wasn't doing what its front the front needs to do. And as you know, they all work in concert. So uh, Jamin Davis is probably going to be a very, very good player. He's a rookie learning the way. You can't expect him to be a force right out of the gate. So for Washington, it has to be that front. In any game they play, but beginning Thursday, it has to be their front on the defensive side of the ball that leads the way. If it's not, they're going to find themselves um, in trouble with some of the Giants' weapons. Uh, Galladay, Shepard, if Engram should play uh, in particular, uh, they're going to have trouble with them. Uh, you know, in this game, and they have to have their defensive front get to and affect Daniel Jones. Well, we flip, we'll flip to the offensive side, but yep. I wanted to ask you one thing. We, we've seen a lot of great pass rushers mm-hmm. come through here, yep. not, not in a while, mm-hmm. at the Giants. Uh, and, and so I wanted to talk to you about Chase Young. You know, one of those games, you know, that five-touchdown game for Daniel Jones and Washington, if, if they don't score and Washington wins at the end, maybe we're talking about Chase Young as a Giant mm-hmm. and, and not – 
you know, the way things worked out. Uh, what I'm curious about is, is Chase Young a player who, a, a, a rush end, who can affect this game yes. without getting, well, I was going to say without getting to Jones. You know, there's this idea, there was always the idea that when JPP was here, that if he didn't come out of a game with two and a half sacks and a forced fumble, yep. that he didn't do anything. Right. Which was always ridiculous because JPP was outstanding against the run. Mm-hmm. For somebody who's seen a lot of Chase Young the last year and obviously week one, is he that kind of player where at the end of the game, the people who look at the stat sheet and try to assess how good he is are probably a little bit foolish and not seeing the bigger picture of his impact? No, I mean, I think Chase Young has to make much more of an impact on this game. Gotcha. Uh, absolutely. I, and I think he would tell you that. Uh, Chase Young has to be a force. Now, if you want to tell me that um, Joe Judge and his staff decide Chase Young's not beating us, we are going to absolutely double him at every turn, he's not beating us, well, then Montez Sweat has to, and John Allen, and Deron Payne. Um because they can't win without their front. It, it is a little bit like the Giants' old fronts that, that we used to love watch play that, you know, I believe, you know, the dawn of the, the NASCAR line, yeah. you know, was right here in this facility and with this team, the New York Giants. Um, so it's, it's a little bit like that, except that Chase Young is a little bit more of the singular presence like Strahan was, okay. as opposed to the more recent Giants gotcha. defensive lines. And listen, Jason Pierre-Paul is as talented as any player in the league. Any player in the right, league. So right. talent-wise, he matches up. But in terms of, of shutting down to Chase Young, if you do that, if you do that, you're going to be pleased that you did it, but you've got to have enough resources to deal with the other guys. Washington will tell you when you bring up Chase Young, don't sleep on Montez, because they believe Montez isn't given his due because everyone's obsessed with Chase. Right. And, and that, that can happen on the field, too, by the way. And that is something when we talk about, uh, you know, that the Giants offensive line didn't embarrass itself against Denver. Von Miller obviously had two right. sacks, but there was a big difference that Bradley Chubb, Chubb was not opposite. There, right. right. It was not opposite Von Miller. Right. So this is a different animal going this week. I think 0-1 and at home. You know, they're starting with two home games. They lost to a Chargers team that I think they felt pretty good that Washington did going into that game. Yeah. And it turned in a hurry very early because Herbert was hot as a firecracker. Right. Uh, you know, this is now game two at home. Really tough to lose that game and feel yeah. good about yourself. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, flip to the other side of the ball. Obviously, I mean, whatever you want to think about Ryan Fitzpatrick and his career, uh, whether it's Fitzmagic or Fitztragic, yep. you got to give the guy credit for what he's accomplished to this yep. point. That's a real, real hard, yep. hard thing to take, getting hurt. The team is finally yours. Yep. It's a, a divisional champion that you've inherited. Um, what was the feel down there when, when Fitz goes out? I mean, I know there's confidence in Haneke, but... There's got to, there had to be a blow for that team to kind of overcome a little bit. No? Oh, I'm sure. And I feel bad for Fitz. I talked to him that morning on the field, um, and he, he mentioned that he, you know, his wife was there that day, his father. Their seven, they, he and his wife have seven kids. They were all there. Wow. Uh, but he made sure that I understood he doesn't take any of it for granted, and he's so grateful as he starts his 17th season, and it didn't last very long. Um, listen, Taylor Heineke... Um, can, can win games. We've seen it. He's at least as mobile, probably a little bit more mobile, obviously, than Fitz. Uh, is he as, does he have the, the experience? No, but, but they have a lot of confidence in him, and he's a pretty low-key guy. I mean, I'm going to talk to him today on the phone, yep. for example. I'm not sure how many quarterbacks before a Thursday game would, would do a phone interview with, with a member of the media who doesn't cover him regularly, you know. Yep. So, um, you know, but but it's Heineke's show now. He they have, they have enough playmakers. I would watch the rookie Deami Brown. I think that they meant to get him more involved on Sunday. Didn't do it. I think they will this time. And I think they had to look back at that offensive tape on Sunday and say Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas have to be bigger parts of what Definitely. we do because they're really really good players. McLaurin was a name that I was surprised Joe Judge did not mention, and I don't think that was a. Sign no one of mentions disrespect. him though, Art. But but everyone forgets about him. That Washington will tell you that everyone forgets about Terry. Well, in fairness, they kind of forgot about him. I mean, he had some big plays, one big play in particular. But you, you got to go to Terry McLaurin. How crazy! I mean, when I started on this beat. Logan Thomas was a it's practice amazing. squad tight end 
who really wasn't even in a building sometimes yep. because he was on that contractual, you know, we'll sign you, we'll cut you, we'll put you on the practice squad just to kind of keep you in the mix. It's a strange thing. He is a big player this weekend, Logan Thomas. He, I really think that. Art, he's enormous. I stood next to him the other day. He's enormous. And the one thing about him, we don't give him enough credit for this position change. He went from quarterback to tight end yeah. and is one of the better tight ends you're going to see. He's one of the better tight ends in the league. He just is. And I didn't and misspeak. I said I said tight end on the practice squad. He was a quarterback here. Yeah, it wasn't until no, he exactly. started started the position switch until he went up to Buffalo, I think it was. I and that's it where was. it started. Yeah, and he's a great target for Fitzpatrick and now for Heineke. He's a big target. He's a sure-handed target. He has done a terrific job. When I was in Washington for um, training, at Washington for training camp, I was talking to Fitz. I did a short one-on-one with Fitz. And Logan Thomas and Fitz are very close and Logan had come over to talk to Fitz and kind of included me in the conversation and I mentioned to him I said we don't appreciate enough what you've done and he's a really nice guy as you probably remember really nice guy but I meant that with it I wasn't like just making small talk I meant that that is a remarkable position change and they need to utilize him he's a huge target let's flip to the Giants for for one or two Mm -hmm. I know you obviously invested your weekend in Washington but You know, you've caught up. You've watched mm-hmm. this team a lot this summer. Yep. What struck you most about what you either heard about or at least were able to dig up and research as far as what they put on the field against Denver on Sunday? Um, and I listened to it on the way back in my car after the Washington game. You know, I have to start with Daniel's fumble. Yeah. Art, it just can't happen. It, you know, he is on a historic pace. Only one other player from, I think, the 80s, whose name isn't coming to my mind at this moment, has had a worse stretch to to open a a season. The turnovers just can't keep happening. He's his own worst enemy that way. So when I heard that call from from Bob and Carl, because I'm in in the car, I I just said, you have to be kidding. Like, I literally was talking to myself (laughs) saying, you have to be kidding that this just happened. And when you're in the car, sometimes you drift a little mentally. So then, then you know... You're in the shadow of the goal line. Like, it, it just can't happen. Yeah. It just cannot. That was the first thing. And then the second overriding thought was the Giants' defense had to be disappointed in itself. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was almost like the joint practices in Cleveland and mm. New England. On the first day, the defense really was terrible. I, I mean, and then they came back and responded the second day and felt good about itself. But the reality is that you don't get two shots right. for one game. What do you think that was about? You know, I, I don't know. I think maybe they're relying a little bit too much on the schematics and expecting Patrick Graham's game plan to kind of solve some things that, you know, they're, they're, they just think the plays are going to mm-hmm. be made. Um, you know, I, I think they thought Teddy Bridgewater was not going to be as effective as he was on Sunday. And uh, I think when it gets down to it, they just weren't aggressive enough. I mean, hmm. I felt like in in all aspects, I thought the Giants came into that game feeling like they needed to play conservatively, they didn't want to make big mistakes, and yet they could grind out a win almost like they did in Seattle mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, good point. Because if you look back at that game, they yep. really didn't do much. Right. To, they to, did enough. Yeah, yeah. and I think... That was with Colt, right? Yeah, it was with Colt. I don't think he could win that game. So defensively... You know, as much as I'm disappointed in the offense, if I'm looking at it and I'm a fan of the Giants, I think the defense is definitely more concerning. And that's where Heineke being the starter this week, kind of, when I'm looking at it, I almost wanted to face Fitzpatrick because I think Fitz will put the ball up and play and won't protect it the way Teddy did on, on Sunday. And I thought the Giants could use a couple of those plays if the ball's yeah. kind of put up in the, you know, yeah. in the air. And I think air. Heineke can take off. I think he can create a little bit. Yeah, more. I think yeah. so. So that, that that's one of the things. But I, I think, like we were saying about Daniel Jones, uh, he's until he stops fumbling, it, he's going to be known as a fumbler. And he's not yeah. going to be and a successful prompt. quarterback. Yes. I mean, so that that's that's it. Well, that's it's the not going to go on for a whole lot longer. No, it uh, won't. I mean, if it doesn't improve this season, right. I mean, you were talking right. about a a sea change yeah, because you're talking about someone who was then in, in three seasons 
too turnover prone to count on. Yeah, they can't. I hope that doesn't happen, by the way. Right. I truly hope that doesn't I happen. I agree. They, they can't win the way they expect to win this year. Uh, and I won't even say compete. I'll say win. If Daniel Jones doesn't race his game and eliminate the turnovers, there's just no way. Uh, last thing, and I do appreciate you for all your time. I know you've got some hits. we got to get out to, yeah, to practice. Um, nobody in the New York media knows Saquon Barkley better than you do. Uh, and you followed it very closely from really from jump when he got hurt last year. Yeah. Almost 12 months to the week, right? Yep. A week shy, yep. he's out there on the field. What what did you expect from Saquon in week one? And what are your feelings now going forward into, you know, into this game? I thought it was funny. He, he said after the game, you know, the, the gig is up. Like, there, and I took that to mean there's... There's no more debate whether or not he's going to be on the field. Now it's just a matter of him performing like he knows yeah. he can. I don't want to speak. I'm not speaking for him. My guess is Saquon expected more of himself. My guess is he also understands this is a process. But I would be surprised if we don't see a very, very determined and better Saquon even on Thursday. And then I have an interest in how those 10 days go before a game because something tells me for him, for Evan Ingram, for some of the other folks, that 10-day break comes at maybe not the ideal, ideal time, but a pretty good time if you're coming off off injury. Yeah, Saquon has kind of owned that building a little bit down there. You yeah. Know, that two years ago, the, yep. the performance that He's he played very on. well there, and, and, and that will help. He, he, Saquon neck up is very interesting. Um, I try not to diagnose him. But I feel like I can, um, and and I, I think uh, I think a big run early w- would do a lot for his confidence on Thursday. Interesting. Well, do a lot of confidence and for, for the, the team too, and for right? the team. Joe Judge will probably you know throw his hat in the air. Yeah, I just I, I just still have that image of Saquon off the block yep. from Sterling Shepard, yep. running into that end zone, his arms up, raised, yep. you know, kind of going crazy. I'm sure the Giants would kill to have Absolutely. something like that. He's on very Thursday important night. to their personality. Exceedingly important. Kim Jones, thank you very much. Thanks Good luck in the pregame on thank NFL you. Network. Uh, Hopefully, on... I won't mess it up. Thank you, Art, no, so much. No, you will not. Thank you. thank you, Kim. So, special thanks to Kim Jones. Really appreciate her time. As I said, everyone's scrambling this week on a short week. Make sure you check her out on NFL Network leading up to this game Wednesday and Thursday in the primetime pregame show. Uh, Kim always doles out a lot of information, and it's always great to have her on. We'll have her on again, I'm sure, uh, later in the year. So Giants-Washington, it's time for our typical pick of the week. Washington's the favorite. The odds say this is going to be a low-scoring game, but I wonder how much the odds factor in. Sometimes a team has its number uh, of an opponent, and the Giants have had Washington's number. The last couple of years. Does it mean anything? Probably not. But you know what? It didn't mean anything when the Giants went down to Philadelphia last year. They hadn't won in the link in, since 2013. And they were all set up to win that game. And I want to spare Giants fans the pain and anguish of that memory. But the Giants had the Eagles beat. That game was over. The Giants had the streak done in Philly. They get a drop pass by Evan Ingram that would have sealed the deal. The reality of Boston Scott being a Giants killer, scoring the game-winning touchdown on Jabril Peppers, who didn't necessarily have terrible coverage on the play. But that's been a house of horrors down there for the Giants at Lincoln Financial Field. It's been the opposite at FedEx Field. The Giants have had a lot of big wins at FedEx, even wins that some Giants fans didn't want. Who can forget two years ago with the game that was dubbed the Chase Young Bowl when the Giants went out there and won in overtime and the loser ended up getting Chase Young and the loser was Washington. So I hate bringing up that memory for Giants fans because they could have image of number 99, not necessarily Leonard Williams this weekend, but Chase Young being in a Giants uniform. That didn't happen. But the Giants... They need this one bad. No Ryan Fitzpatrick for Washington. Taylor Heineke is the quarterback. Yes, I'm not going to overlook Taylor Heineke and say that the Washington football team 
is now putting out an inferior quarterback. Look, Heineke played in the playoff game against the Bucks and did some good things. But there's a reason why Fitzpatrick was the starter. I mean, let, let's let's call spade a spade. I mean, Fitzpatrick was their starting quarterback. So on a short week, you got to get Heineke ready for this game. It's a little bit of a challenge for the Giants. Not much tape on Heineke. But this game has to be a full throttle, wide open. I know the Washington football team with Jack Del Rio, Ron, Ron Rivera, they're going to do, do their best to neutralize and limit big plays. The Giants have to be aggressive here. You've got to play this game as if there's nothing to lose. I understand it's 0-2 if you do lose, but this is a game where the Giants, like I said, could find themselves a little bit. Got to take some chances. I'm not talking about what happened against the Browns last year when Joe Judge was going for it on fourth down and you fake a field goal uh, and stuff like that. Be aggressive in your play calling. You hope that Saquon Barkley, for their sake, is more effective this week. The offensive line, will we see some changes up front? Well, if Shane Lemieux is out, we're already going to see a change with Ben Bredesen uh, in position to start. Could Nick Gates float up and down the line to strengthen that entire unit? Yes, it's possible. Could we see Matt Skura or Billy Price in at center? Again, possible. Judge is a big believer in that one of five, and you heard Nick Gates tell me about that. As long as he's one of five, he'll be happy. And that's the kind of guy that Judge will ride this week. So I could see Gates playing splitting time at center and guard if they feel like that's their best lineup against this incredibly difficult challenge of the Washington front. But at the end of the day, I do think things are going to click for the Giants this week. I think they make one or two more plays. I think this defense, they can't play as average and ordinary as they did in week one. And I'm rolling the dice that exactly the way they came back from that first joint practice in Cleveland to the second one and their first joint practice in New England and then the second one is that this team has been built to respond. You can't maintain and sustain success if you're going to come out and lay an egg on day one. But this is kind of representative of day two. I think this coaching staff will get the most out of this team. I think Washington might be reeling a little bit. Look, they've got a ton of weapons, but I don't believe that they expected to lose that game on Sunday to the Chargers. So if the spread is three, I'll go Giants 21, Washington 20. I'll take the three also just to boot from our friends at Tipico. So that about wraps it up for this week's edition. Please keep going and subscribing and downloading all in at all your favorite podcast platforms. Also look on NorthJersey.com for the link of the show every week. We post that and we appreciate all the feedback. The audience continues to grow. We hope you like the product. We appreciate your investment with the Giants. And just know, when you come to us, we're all in.